You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. That voice inside my head that says I'm not enough. Any of you struggle with that? Anyone besides me? Like you don't have what it takes. You never measure up. You'll not be enough. What a lie. And if we're not careful, the challenge is is that we can believe we can begin to believe that lie and it's that lie that limits God in our lives it's that lie that limits God's work in our lives how many of you believe this morning that God is bigger I mean, I believe I believe that God is bigger than whatever circumstance you might be facing bigger than whatever adversity you might be experiencing bigger than any financial need you might have like, we would all believe that God is bigger. Like, theologically and biblically, we're convinced that with God, all things are possible. Like, like we quote verses of Scripture like Luke one thirty seven that says this, For nothing is impossible with God. Or Philippians 4.13 that says this, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Or Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that's at work within us. But as I said a couple weeks ago, if we're not careful, we can take a big God, a God who has no limits, and make him small in our own eyes and small in our own lives. I mean, that's the challenge. When we begin to believe that lie that I don't have enough or I don't have what it takes... It's that lie that then limits the greatness of God in our lives. Oftentimes, this happens because of our own insecurities. The problem is not that God's not able, but that we're not willing because we've come to believe that we can. For whatever, for whatever reason, there could be a lot of reasons, we're not willing to step into the greater that God might want to work in our lives or do through our lives because we believe the lie, and it's the lie that then paralyzes us. It's the lie that can limit God. So when an opportunity that's bigger than God comes our way, or when God invites us to do something that's beyond our ability, or God invites us to do something that scares us to death, and hear me, He often does. I can't tell you how many times God has invited me into something that literally scared me to death. Like upset stomach, that kind of scared. Like... Um, restless nights. God, listen, God's not called us to be those who play it safe. If you think following Jesus is safe, I'm here to tell you it's not always safe. Because God has a tendency, read the Bible, God has a tendency to take normal average people like you, like me, and call us to things that scare us to death. That's so far beyond air ability. And the deal is, it's really not about your ability or my ability. It's really about God's ability. It's about His work in our lives. But if we're not careful, we can allow this feeling of inadequacy or this feeling of feeling um, inferior to get us stuck, to, to limit that of our lives and, and God's work in our lives. Here's the deal. I don't know if you've come to discover this, but here's the deal. You can be your greatest enemy. You. It's not always. It's not always Satan. I think sometimes we we think, well, you know, Satan's my greatest enemy, and and I, I, you know, he's probably running 
a close second to you. You can be your greatest enemy. You can be the one who takes a God who is great and makes him small. You can be the one who limits God. It's hard for us to get our minds around this, but you can be the one who ties the hands of God in your life. And it happens oftentimes most of the time, it happens through insecurity. Remember, I want to read just a couple of lines from David Seaman's book. The title of the book is, is Healing for Damaged Emotions. Great book. I would highly recommend it. But listen as I read just a paragraph from his book. Many Christians find themselves defeated by the most powerful psychological weapon that Satan uses against Christians. This weapon has the effectiveness of a deadly missile. Its name... Low self-esteem. Satan's greatest psychological weapon is a gut-level feeling of inferiority, inadequacy, and low self-worth. This feeling shackles many Christians in spite of wonderful spiritual experiences and knowledge of God's Word. Although they understand their position as sons and daughters of God, they are tied up in knots, bound by a terrible feeling of inferiority and chained to a deep sense of worthlessness. Wow, is that not well stated? In this struggle, in this struggle, we, re, we forget that it's not about what we can do, but it's really about what God can do. But your insecurities, if, if not addressed, will have you saying no when God says go. Your feelings of inadequacy can have you retreating to what you may consider a safe place. That's really not a safe place. Your insecurities and feelings of, of not being enough can do this. They can keep you stuck. If you think about it, your insecurities tend to stem from your deepest fears of, of not being enough, of not... I'm not measuring up to whoever's standard maybe you've believed is the right standard. It's like you don't have what it takes and everyone else does. And then you begin to compare yourselves with others. You fall prey to this, this silly comparison game. It's not just a middle school issue. It's alive and well for adults today. Compare ourselves to one another. And, and then our, own, our situation only gets worse. Because what? Everyone else can do it better than we Right. That's what again. That's the lie we begin to believe. There's a cute story of two cows that grazing in a pasture when they saw a milk truck pass by, and on the side of the milk truck were these words: pasteurized, homogenized, standardized, vitamin A added. One cow sighed and said to the other, "Makes you feel kind of inadequate, doesn't it?" <laughs> you know, if we're not careful, we can go through life thinking like the cow. That we're kind of inadequate. And when we do, this is what happens. Hear me, friends. This is so critical. This is what happens. You take a big God and you make him small. You, you limit God's work in your life. And if you don't confront these insecurities, they rob you not only of the potential that God's placed in your life, but they rob you of that of what God has for you in your life. So this morning, we're going to look again to Gideon's life and, and see what we can learn about confronting our insecurities, confronting those thoughts and lies that limit, that limit God, that limit His greatness in our lives. For those of you who were not here two weeks ago when we launched this series, let me just quickly give you a little background information that will be helpful. The book of Judges covers 350 years in the history of the nation of Israel. 
And basically, this 350 years, the whole book of Judges is a recurring cycle. We see the same thing happening again and again and again. And that the children of Israel, God's people, the Jews, would rebel against God. They would abandon God. They would begin to worship false idols. God would bring judgment in the form of an oppressive nation against them. They would repent. They would return back to God. They would cry out for rescue. God being merciful. How many of you know God's merciful? Well, that's good news this morning. His mercies are new to us every morning. It was for the Jews as well. They would cry out for mercy. God would send a deliverer. He would send a judge. When we have the book of Judges, he would send a judge that would bring rescue, deliverance for them. And one of those Judges, one of the men that God raised up was a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon was a judge. Again, the cycle's happening. They, um, the children of Israel have turned away from God. They've abandoned God. So now God is use, using the Midianites um, to bring oppressive judgments against the children of Israel. They cry out to God. And then God comes to this man by the name of Gideon. And issues this opportunity for him to be the deliverer, for him to be the rescuer of his people. And as God engaged Gideon, Gideon was not like like um, gung ho ready to embrace this opportunity. Actually, he was he was um, quite reticent. He was reluctant. And he was reluctant because of this. At the root of the problem, we're going to see this, more, see this this morning in the story. The root of the problem for Gideon was insecurity. The root of the problem was, for Gideon was this. He thought that he was not enough. He thought that he didn't have what it took. He was, rest, he was wrestling with the same thing many of you wrestle with on a daily basis. I don't have what it takes. I'm inadequate. I'm not enough. Therefore, when God issues this opportunity to manifest his greatness through Gideon's life, Gideon's backpedaling. So let's pick up the story. Gideon is in the wine press. He's threshing out a little bit of wheat, trying to keep it safe from the Midianites when he is encountered by the angel of the Lord. Now, some scholars would say the angel of the Lord here is a Christophany. It's actually an appearance of an appearance of Jesus Christ himself, the angel of the Lord coming to invite Gideon into this opportunity. Let's pick up with verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And we're all the wonders that our fathers told us about. When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Verse 15, but the Lord, but Lord Gideon asked, uh, excuse me, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, but Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of the Midianites together. The key verse, the key verse for our focus this morning is, is verse 15. The Gideon's been encountered by the angel Lord, pretty awesome. He's been invited into God's rescue plan for Israel, like out of all of the men of Israel. Think about this. 
Like we could say this, out of all of the men in the United States of America, God chose one. Out of all the Israelites, God chose one man. The Gideon to be the rescuer, the deliverer for his people. But notice again his response. I'm going to take you back to verse 15. Gideon says, but Lord, how, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I, I, like, I'm the least in my family. Basically, Gideon's saying here, I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the chief of nobodies. I can't be a deliverer for my people. Now, obviously, Gideon's speaking here, but it's really his insecurity that's speaking. Right? It's his, Gideon's, the, the words are coming out of his mouth, but it's passing through that of his own, his, his own inner struggle. His feeling of, of inadequacy. Rather than willingly stepping into the greatness of God, he's limiting God's work through his life. And the lie that Gideon believed was basically this, that he did not have the goods, like the ability or the influence to do what God was inviting them to do. And he came to this wrong interpretation of who he was and what God could do. And again, it was all because of his insecurity. And listen, the same thing, the same thing can happen in our lives. You know, your insecurities are really nothing more than interpretations you've made about yourself, about others, about circumstances, or about what will or what won't happen in your life. On the surface, they're just opinions and perspectives that you've latched onto. They're, they're lies that you have come to believe as truths. And because you believe the lie that you're not enough, that you don't have what it takes, You've limited the greatness of God in your life. You've taken, a, again, a big God and made him small. So how, how do we get infected by insecurity? Probably a lot of ways that insecurity finds its way into our lives. But as I was thinking about this, what, what, are, what are the ways, and, and I really came down to the four most common ways that we get infected by insecurity. And the, the first is this. It, it's what I would call a toxic environment. If you grew up in a toxic environment, if your home life was toxic, where you could never measure up, you could never be enough, like on the report card, you had three A's and one B, and it wasn't the A's that was celebrated, it was the B that was talked about because you never measured up, you were never good enough. Friends, can I tell you, that's a toxic environment. If you grew up in a toxic environment as a child, then as an adult, most likely you're struggling with insecurity. That thing that got rooted in your life as a child has followed you into adulthood. There's this, there's this thought that you, you're, you're, you don't have what it takes. You're not enough. I think a second source of insecurity is comparison. When we compare ourselves to other people, we, we, can, we come to the conclusion that, we're, that we either measure up or we don't. If we measure up, then there's... The potential of us being arrogant and prideful because like I'm, I'm more than you. If we feel like we don't measure up, like I don't measure up to Chris because he's like, he, like, God, I just want to be like Chris. If I, if I, if I'm comparing myself to him and I feel like I'm less than, then what happens? I begin to feed this insecurity in my life. In comparison, listen, comparison is not just a middle school thing. It's happening with adults today. We compare ourselves to one another. It's a silly game, but it happens. And when it happens, 
It feeds insecurity in our lives. Hey, here's a, a third source of insecurity. It's what I call the critical inner voice. Our critical inner voice opens a shop in our brain. It pitches a tent in our brain and it starts telling us rubbish that we subscribe to without a question. And when this inner critic takes over, it, it convinces us that we're not good enough and, and that m- making mistakes will hurt us. It's the inner critical voice that can paralyze us. Any of you besides myself have to confront an inner critical voice? Early this morning... Honest, I'm not making this stuff up. Early this morning, somewhere between 4.30 and 5, I had a battle with an inner critical voice about standing on a platform today, delivering a message that somehow might make a difference in someone's life. It's like, God, I don't know if I have what it takes. What is that? It's an inner critical voice. And probably there's a lot of you in the room. It's not just me that wrestles with this. If we're honest, probably a lot of us in the room that little voice. No one else can hear it, but how many know it's real in your life, right? We're going to talk about how we confront that, but it, but it's a challenge, and it feeds insecurity. Here's a fourth way I think that we can get affected by insecurity, and, and it's really the, it's the tactic of Satan to limit our lives. You know, First Peter five eight says this: Be self controlled and alert for your your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Let me tell you one of the ways he wants to devour you. One of the ways he wants to limit you is to get you to believe the lie that you're not enough. To get you to believe the lie that you don't have what it takes. To get you to believe the lie that your life doesn't matter. To believe the lie that, that you can't make a difference. It's a strategy of hell. What to make God small in your life. So what, whatever the source of your insecurity, the end result is that it becomes a limitation in your life and a limitation in the, of that of God's work in your life. So not just of your life, but God's work in your life. And we see this playing out in Gideon's story. His insecurities became the challenge. As I said earlier, obviously the words are coming out of Gideon's mouth, but it was his insecurities that were driving them. So what can we learn from Gideon? So let me give you three statements, just looking back to verse 15, Judges 6, 15. The first challenge of insecurities is that they create a flawed view of who we are and what we can do. Notice Gideon, when given the challenge to to conquer the Midianites, notice what he says, how can I save Israel? Like, God, you want me to do that, but how can I do that? Gideon was looking at who he thought he was and what he thought he had to offer. And basically he was saying this, there's no way. There's no way I could do that. His insecurities gave him a distorted view of who he was. Have you ever been like to county fair um, and they have this, this kind of wavy mirror that you stand in front of and you get this distorted image of who you are? Have any of you ever, ever done that yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. The same thing happens with when we're wrestling with insecurities. We get a distorted view of who we really are. And we think, well, I can't do that. I, I, I would never be able to do that. And we come to a wrong interpretation of who we are. This very deception often plays out in our lives. This is not just a Gideon issue. 
I think it's a, it's, it's a real issue in our lives. Insecurities create this flawed view of who we are and what we can do. For example, let's say that God invites you to an initiative, to be a part of an initiative that will make a difference in the lives of children in foster care. He's inviting you to play a, a, a critical role. And you look at who you are, and you look at what you have to offer, and you say, I could never do that. Well, you have a flawed view of who you are. Could it be that God just needs someone that's breathing to step in and make themselves available? So if you're here today and you're breathing, like the heart's still beating, like maybe God's inviting you. Or or let's say... Let's say that God's inviting you. There's this tug. There's this prompting of the Holy Spirit to launch a business initiative. To start a company that's going to bring employment for a lot of people. And and it's going to address a major need in our community. And God's called you out of all the people in the Lake Norman community. Imagine this. He's called you. And you look at who you are. And you look at what you have. And you say, I could never do that. And at that point, because of your distorted view of who you are, what did you just do? You just limited the greatness of God and what he might want to do through your life. That's the first challenge. We end up with a distorted view because of the root problem of insecurity. Here's a second challenge of insecurities. is they cause us to make excuses rather than taking action. How many of you know... We can be pretty good at excuses, right? But probably, probably not folks in this service. They were in the last service. Um, they were a lot in the last service. But oftentimes, I think we've, we do the same thing Gideon did. God invites us into something that scares us to death, and we start backpedaling with excuses. Notice what Gideon says. Look back to verse 15. He says, I, I am the, my, my tribe, the tribe of Manasseh. It's the smallest of all the 12 tribes. And not only that, my family within the tribe of Manasseh, my family is the least. And basically, this is what, this is what Gideon's saying. Gideon's saying, I am the chief of nobodies. I am the lowest of low. Like you couldn't find anyone. If you tried, you, you couldn't find anyone lower than myself. Like, I, I simply can't. He is ma- <laughs> amazing. He's making this statement to the angel of the Lord, possibly to Christ himself. Excuses. And if we're not careful, the same thing happens in our lives, and it flows out of our insecurity. We're backpedaling. Not just Gideon. This happens numerous times throughout the Scripture. I could give you several biblical illustrations, but let me just give you one more. Moses. The great leader Moses. If you recall the story, when God encountered Moses in the wilderness through a burning bush, the scripture says the bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. So Moses stepped aside to see what this was all about. And God speaks to him out of a burning bush about being this deliverer. He says, hey, you're the man of the hour. You're the one I want to use. I want to send you into Egypt, and I want you to bring my people out of Egypt, out of bondage, to the great future I have for them. And if you read the story, Moses is not like, well, God, I was wondering when you were going to show up. (laughs) No, you read the story, all of a sudden, Moses starts making all these excuses. I go, I I, I can't talk. Like, 
I'm not very good with words. I'm in fear. What if they don't? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? Excuse after excuse after excuse. What was it? It was insecurity in Moses' life that brought him to making excuses that had him back. And again, same thing can happen in your life, in my life. God invites us to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. And we look at ourselves and we say, I can. We start making excuses. Hey, here's the third challenge I think of, of insecurities is they cause us to say no when God says go. As Gideon's presented this opportunity to go and save his people from the Midianites, he's saying, no, I can't. And again, it was all because of his insecurities. He's believed the lie that he's not able and he doesn't have what it takes. Now, the good news for Gideon is that God doesn't give up on him. God knows that he's a mighty warrior. Gideon doesn't know it yet, but God knows it. God sees the potential he's placed in his life just as he sees the potential he's placed in your life. God works this miraculous. If you read on in chapter 6, God does this miracle of, as Gideon puts out a fleece, um, you know, it's wet and then it's not wet. There's dew on it, there's not dew on it. And, and through a process of events, basically, God convinces Gideon that, that he is the one who's going to work through Gideon. But initially, Gideon was saying no. And maybe that's where you've been. God's been tugging on your heart concerning this, whatever this might be. And you've been saying no because you, you've been looking in the mirror. And as you look in the mirror, you say, well, you can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. And rather than obediently following after God and obediently embracing that of his greatness in and through your life, you're saying no. And again, here's the challenge, friend. At that point, you've taken a big God and you've made him small. At that point, you've tied the hands of God in your life. So how can we overcome our insecurities? To allow God to work in us and through us in greater ways. Really quick, I I, want to leave you with three action steps. Because I think there's probably a lot of people in the room right now, a lot of people watching online, who are struggling with this voice inside their head that says, I'm not enough. How do we confront that? What do we, how do we deal with that? I think the first, the first point of action is this. You need to face the insecurities to defeat them. So the first step is all about awareness. How many of you know it's difficult to confront what you don't know? Right? So, so the first step is really identifying what's the, what, what's the point of insecurity? What, what, what are the lies? What are the wrong interpretations that I've come to? How has my view become distorted through environment, through deception of the enemy, through wounds of the past? But what's the source of it? So, so first we need to, we need to face them to defeat them. And as you try to identify your insecurities, it may be helpful to ask some questions like these. Like, what exactly do I tend to feel insecure about? Put a, put a name on it. Or maybe this question, what uncertainty exists that's making me feel insecure? Or maybe this question, what underlying irrational beliefs are at the core of these insecurities? 
it, it may also be helpful to seek out a spiritual confidant or a spiritual counselor to help you identify. Because oftentimes we have blind spots in our lives and we don't see the very thing that's limiting our lives. So what do we need? We need someone else who can help us see what we can see to address the blind spot, to reveal the blind spot. That's one of the reasons I have several layers of accountability around me is I need individuals to help me see what I don't see and to know what I don't know. And so often I say to these men, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to see that I don't see. Because we all, listen, we all have blind spots. But it may be helpful as you're, as you're facing these to confront them, to defeat them, the insecurities. It may be helpful to, 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 to seek out some help, some, someone to help you gain insight. But what, it's the process of peeling back the layers. And the deeper you go, the better you will understand how you've come to develop these insecurities. Come to discover how you've come to this distorted view of who you are and how God could work in and through your life. You know, sometime back I had a gentleman who came into my office and just kind of struggling with some things in life and frustrated in some areas. And so we began to talk and in our conversation we began to kind of dig in and kind of peel back some of the layers. And, um, and, and one of his struggles was, you know, he said, Pastor, I just feel like I, I'm not enough. Like I, I, I don't have what it takes to be the husband that I need to be. I don't have what it takes to be the father I need to be. I, I, I don't have what it takes to excel in the marketplace. I, I, I just I have this struggle. And so we began to talk about that. We began to unpack that a little bit. And as often happens, I talked earlier about toxic environment. As often happens, it for this gentleman, it went all the way back to his childhood of growing up in a home with a very firm, challenging father who probably meant well, but he set a standard that was so high that his son could never meet the standard. And there was always this demeaning that happened. And so as a young child, he felt like I could never be enough. And guess what? It followed him into adulthood. And so as we were talking, we spent some time in prayer dealing with the lie, confronting the lie. So the, the first thing I think as you're dealing with insecurity, we need to identify what it is. We need, we need, to, we need to name it. So that we can confront it, so that we can move beyond it. So we want to uncover irrational beliefs and unhelpful thoughts that are at the core of the insecurities. Here's a second important step in overcoming your insecurities is live confidently knowing that God is with you and God is able. Notice how the angel of the Lord challenges Gideon's statement of insecurity in verse 16. He says, I will be with you and you will strike down all of the Midianites together. I will be, Gideon, I will be with you. I'm going to be more than enough in your life. I'm going to bring all that I am and I'm going to manifest it through your life. That's what the angel of the Lord was saying. Listen, just as the Lord was with Gideon, so we have the same promise and the same provision. 
Listen, you have the God who has no limits working on your behalf so you can move with confidence. Not because of, of, of what you can do, but your confidence is in this. Your confidence is what God can do in you and through you. So we're able to move forward with confidence because we know that, get this, the King of kings and Lord of lords is resident in your life. So wherever you go, guess, guess who's going to show up there with you? The God who has no limits. It's not like you get up in the morning and you leave him at home, right? Oh, you, you know, no, he, he travels with you. So wherever you go, wherever you're at, it's there that God is present working in your life and, and for your good. So what we move forward with confidence. Listen, my confidence is not in my ability. Man, I so struggle with that. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Even freshly this morning, I was struggling with it again. I so struggle with my ability because I know who I am. But my confidence, listen, my confidence is not in who I am. My confidence is not that I'm the son of Virgil Lemmings, the grandson of Fillmore Lemmings, and I have this amazing heritage, and I come to you with this heritage. That's not my confidence. I'm grateful for my heritage. But that's not the source of my confidence. My confidence is this, that the God who spoke the world into existence, the one who has no limits, is present in my life. And he's declared that I am more than a conqueror. And listen, that's not just the promise for the preacher. It's the promise for you as well. So how do we overcome our insecurities? We come back to this. My confidence is in the God who's resident in my life, the one who's working not only in me, but for me. Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote these words, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Everything. Here's the third action you can take to overcome your insecurities. It's this, confront the lies and build your confidence through the word. We're going to build our confidence, what, through the word. Now, let me clarify here. It's not just knowing the word. It's living the word. It's getting God's word from here to here. It's allowing, it's allowing God's word to be so rooted in your life that you're living out of that truth. Listen, just as light always overcomes darkness, so truth always overcomes the lies. So if you believe the lie that's brought you to a distorted view of who you are, or if you've come to a wrong interpretation because of the deception of the enemy, what do you need to do to confront the lie? You need to bring the truth, the truth into that. John eight thirty two says this, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. Bring freedom in your life. It'll free you from the wrong interpretation that you've come to believe about yourself. It'll, it'll free you from that little voice inside of your head that keeps saying you're not enough. It'll, it'll free you from the lies that the enemy has used to limit your life. The confidence and boldness comes as we take God's word and as we apply it in our lives. You know, Hebrews 13, 6 says this, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. You know, we could actually take that verse and say it like this. I think without violating the scripture, we could say, 
the Lord is my helper, I will not be insecure. Why? Because it's not about me. Not about you. It's really about God's work in and through your life. Psalm 46.1 says this, that the Lord is a rock and a refuge and ever-present help in time of trouble. Psalm 121 verse 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker, uh, from the Lord, the, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue, every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Aren't we moving for confident with God's Word? I love the statement that Beth Moore made. I put it there in your notes. You should write this on a sticky note and stick it on your mirror in your bathroom so you see it every morning. This is what she wrote in one of our books. We have to let truth scream louder to our souls than the lies that have infected us. That's a great statement. The truth that scream louder to our souls than the lies that have infected us. As we do, then we can move forward with confidence. We can move beyond our insecurities to experience greater life and greater effectiveness. What what I would want you to learn from Gideon's story is simply this. God is able. God is able to turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, God is able. He's able. Don't allow your insecurities to limit what he can do. Don't allow your insecurities to limit your life and to rob you of the very potential that God's placed in your life. Gideon saw himself as a mighty coward because of his insecurities. God saw him as a mighty warrior. My question to you this morning is what might God see in your life? What might be for you just beyond those insecurities, just beyond that lie that you've come to believe that's the opposite of what God says about who you are and about your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you today for your presence in our lives. God, I thank you that you have said of us that we are more than conquerors through you. We're grateful this morning that you are in us. You are with us. You are for us. It's the promise of your word. It's the promise of your presence. The promise of your provision. But Lord, oftentimes, oftentimes we can come to the place that Gideon was at. Where there's this voice inside of our head that says we're not enough. And maybe it happened through a toxic environment as we were growing up. Maybe it happened because we've been listening too long to that critical voice that happens in our brain. No one else hears it, but God, we hear it. Or maybe it happens because we believe the lie that the enemies brought that said we don't have what it takes. And because of that, Lord, what we oftentimes like Gideon, we see ourselves as a mighty coward. We're, you're saying, no, you're a, you're a mighty warrior. We see ourselves as not being able, and you're saying, oh, if you only knew what I wanted to do through your life. 
And my prayer this morning is that we would not allow those wrong interpretations, those lies, that critical voice to limit your greatness, your bigness in our lives. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.